Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thanks, Tash. Thank you. Lovely to see you all. Um, and yeah, seven o'clock Wednesday morning. Don't be late. All right. Um, and we pray for our cities and streets as um, Rick has penned. So give prayer to be praying every day, isn't it? Good. We are in our empowered. By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm on holidays the, the last week of Lent. So I started yesterday. It's good fun. Um, it really is. So, um, um, yeah, and we are in an empowered series. Um, this has been great. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. It's something that the Bible teaches us to do, to talk about our gifts. I hope that in life group you're having conversations, re your giftings. It's really important. Um, John Dewey, who was the American philosopher, said to find out what one is gifted to do and to secure an opportunity to do it is the key to happiness. Like that keen photographer there. There's something about finding our giftings. And what I'm going to do today, what my task is today, is sort of to zoom out of, um, to sort of lift the camera up into the, um, out of the little details of the New Testament and give you a bird's eye view of the New Testament passages on giftings um, before we start to drill down into them um, week after week. And there are a couple of verses that are key to this. Um, one that we've been quoting each week was this one in Ephesians 2.10. Um, the 8 and 9 before that are, for by grace you are saved through faith. They'll be familiar verses to you, not of works as any man should boast. And then this one, which we tend to miss out sometimes, we are his workmanship. Some of your versions will use the word masterpiece. Some will use the word um, handiwork. And we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, all right? So God has prepared something beforehand for us to do, something that we need to find out. This verse here that's very special to me, um, Paul is the writer again to the church at Philippi, and he's talking about this knowing God, oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And then he uses this little line, he says, not that I've already attained this, I haven't already made this, or I'm already perfected, but I press on, and you see what I've bolded there, that I may lay hold of that of which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Can I suggest that some of us haven't yet laid hold of what it was Christ laid hold of us for? And that's a big thing, where we, the moment we begin to find out what was it that, um, if this is right, if God um, created works for us to, to do before we ever were born, and if yet maybe we haven't turned around and laid hold of that for what he has laid hold of us for. And of course, um, I could go on and on proving to you how the Scripture teaches us to try and find out what this call is. And our little tagline 
um, is that verse in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, which uh, is up on the right-hand corner to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Actually, the word there is zealously pursue. <laughs> zealously pursue. That's what the Greek meaning of it is. So knowing that everyone has something to give, that is really important. So the big question is, what will you do with what you've been entrusted with? What will you do with that? Many years ago, I read this little book. Maybe 30 years ago, I read this little book by Russell Conwell, and it was called Acres of Diamonds. It's a great little book. It's just a little paperback. But the story is of a Persian farmer who had, was absolutely obsessed with diamonds. And back in that age when diamonds were very, very, and still are, very, very precious and very um, expensive, this guy became so obsessed with them, he left his family um, in care of grandparents, sold his complete farm, and went in pursuit to, to find diamonds. And the story goes that he um, traveled around to try and find them, but eventually, um, he, eventually he wasted all his money. His money ran out. He got into severe depression and eventually took his own life. At the end of the story, it tells us that the guy who bought his farm um, one day, there was a local priest who was visiting the house, and there was a lump of black coal sitting, like black coal sitting on the mantelpiece. And the priest asked the guy, he says, where did you, did you get this piece of, of, of stone or this? And the guy says, well, a little river down at the back of the farm, and it runs through white sand. And he says, it's full of these. And it turns out there were diamonds. And... Um, and that place became one of the wealthiest diamond mines that ever had been found. And the guy had owned it the whole time. And, um, and so there's something about searching within. There's something about, sometimes we can be in pursuit. And sometimes we can even play the game of the comparison game where we look at someone else and we think they're really gifted. Um, like Dave, who can play worship and preach. Um, Al can play worship and preach. Rick, what, what happened to us? I don't know. Um, uh, we just have to keep, they send us along to keep them humble, I think. And, 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 and so what we can do is we can look at other people's giftings and we can think, I wish I were like them, instead of looking for the acres of diamonds that are in our own lives. Now, Rick reminded us so powerfully last week of the of the body metaphor, and he did remind us that we were all a bunch of Muppets, which was really lovely of him. Um, and uh, I love that uh, all, all of us were at um, Kermit and Miss Piggy's wedding last week. And he reminded us of these six things. He reminded us that the gifts are Christ-centered, that there's unity and diversity. There's, um, I have this little saying, I say this to the local ministers sometimes, that diversity should never mean division. There's nothing more diverse than a man and a woman, and uh, we can usually get along okay, um, most times. Um, and then there's uh, mutual submission, so we, we look at each other's giftings and we mutually submit to them. There's an inversion of hierarchy, meaning it's not top-down, um, 
but it's everybody together. It's that team of horses. There is a divine order, and there is, of course, he reminded us lastly that um, true spirituality is a life of love. If they don't have love, they have nothing. We're just a, a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So today, what we're going to do, we're going to begin to dig into the different passages um, on the gifts and talk a little bit about those before we actually go down into drilling into each gifting, all right? Um, now, again, um, Paul reminding the church at Corinth in um, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, about the gifts. He didn't want us to be ignorant or uninformed. Some of our modern versions uses the word now. Um, so it's really important. Now, there are three big passages of gifts in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. And we'll talk about these um, generally um, and then what I'm going to try and do, or what I'm not going to try, I'm going to do, I'm going to try and give you some practical tips about how to figure out your giftings. What are the real practical things um, that you could do to that? All right. Now, there are different ways of categorizing these gifts, and people, different people do it different ways, and I've done it um, in a particular way for many years. And the fact that None of these lists are the same means it's important that we become, don't become too dogmatic or um, about categorizing them or holding on to our own little principles of that. And Paul and the apostles are not so much interested um, in writing an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts, but rather the unique diversity of gifts across the body. And of course, Rick again showed us that last week that the um, even the very important gifts, even the very important parts of your body are the parts that aren't seen. Um, and so it's really important to understand that. And the thing about diversity as well, that's really important. Diversity makes us realize that we can't overemphasize one. So for instance, in Pentecostal circles and in charismatic circles, tongues has got all out of cue, really. And everybody thinks tongues is the gift or it's just one of the gifts, all right? And we're going to talk about that um, as we go through this later on um, in the weeks to come. Some of organizations actually say, if you don't speak in tongues, that you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't agree with that at all, nor do we. Not just me, but we don't agree with that principle, all right? So it's important we see the diversity of the gifts that are very, very important. Now, breaking them down a little bit, in Romans 12, we have what's called the motivation gifts. These are basic life purpose principles, really. You could probably go as far as to say these are born in you. They're they're motivation gifts. There's seven of them, prophecy, um, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, and mercy. They're very powerful gifts, the motivation gifts. The Ephesians 4 gifts are the ministry gifts. You'll find that these are gifts that actually um, the Bible tells us are given by he who ascended is the same as he who descended. And he gave these gifts to the church, the gift of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the pastor, and there to equip the body, it says. There to equip the body. There are um, the, gifts that facilitate and equip the body of Christ. And um, we sometimes refer to these as the five-fold ministry gifts to the church. We um, Years ago, we used to talk to the young people about a hand, that the prophet is the pointer, is the pointing finger, is the one that points the way. The evangelist is the longest of all out ahead of everybody else, winning the lost. And then the, 
the teacher comes in and teaches, and then the pastor comes in and pastors, and the thumb is like the gift of the apostle, which is the only one that actually t- can touch every, every finger, and it binds the grip. And these are really, really important. As a matter of fact, when you come to 1 Corinthians 12, um, away down at verse 25, he says that God give to the church first apostle and then prophets. The problem is that we feel um, in cessationism, we feel that these gifts died with the early, um, uh, with the early church. And for that reason, then, we, we don't give any credit to these gifts. And that's not right. It's not right. We're not cessationists at all. And then the first um, Corinthians 12 are the manifestation gifts. Somebody calls these the torpedo gifts or the uh, empowerment gifts. And these are to empower the church in ministry. These are the gifts that bring power when someone gets healed, when someone gets set free, when someone gets saved, when someone gets delivered. Things happen um, when the empowerment of these gifts, and you have nine of them. You have the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, before we describe these gifts individually, it is important to explain the difference between natural and spiritual gifts. There's a difference because there are natural things that you're born with, things that you're good at. And then there's acquired gifts. There's a way you develop or educate yourself. You might decide to go on and study something or, or acquire a certain gift. And of course, then there's the spiritual gifts, which are um, spiritual endowments given by the Holy Spirit, as we said, to empower the church um, in the ministry of the kingdom of God. Now, Natural abilities, as I said, are born in you. They're given to you by your designer. They're in your creation. All of us are born in the image of God. All of us. Every person ever born is born in the image of God. And there are things in you from birth which can be developed over time. All right? Born in you. That's really important to understand. So acting might mean you have a good memory or you might be athletic. You might have a musical talent. You might be creative in some way or have a knack with working with your hands like um, Belzalel in the Old Testament who was um, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do all the giftings um, of making the, the stuff for the, the temple. Um, so these are initial gifts, as I say, given by God. Your designer is part of your original makeup. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You may never use these or use them poorly. And, um, and they're components of your unique creation. We've all known people of whom we've said they've just wasted themselves. They were so good. They had hands for anything, and they just never seemed to put that to work. We all know people like that, don't we? That's sad. And then you've got these acquired gifts or skills, and these are abilities developed through training or education or experience developed over time through your own effort, gifts of precision and um, um, people who, who, who go on to actually acquire a gift and a skill in an area. So if it's in music or if it's instruments and you develop the skill to, to make um, guitars or violins or something like that, um, the bottom line is that God wants us to give our natural talents to him so we can advance the kingdoms of the world. I pray this most Sunday mornings when we pray as a team, 
I say, God, thank you for natural abilities and skills, but right now we throw them down to pick them up again for you. And, um, and when we give God our natural and acquired gifts, he intermingles them with spiritual gifts, and life is never, ever, 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 ever going to be the same again when that happens. Now, what I'd love you to think for a moment or two before we leave you with some questions, what I'd love you to think for a moment or two, I'd love you to think about what is in your hand. I'd love you to think about what the question that God asked Moses. Now, Moses is um, basically has been on the run for 40 years. He's 80 years of age, just in case you think you're too old. He's 80 years of age, and he is, um, he's been 40 years a shepherd. And he's been 40 years looking after somebody else's sheep. 40 years in Egypt, then now 40 years on the run. And um, he has this encounter with God. And he has this encounter where he comes on a burning bush. And when he looks, he notices that the bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. And he draws aside to see the great sight. This is what the Bible says. And it says, when God saw that he turned aside to see. Now, there's a message. When God saw. I used to think when I was a boy, God, why 40 years? Why? Why? Because I'm a Moses fan. I'm a Moses. I've loved Moses my whole life because I, I like him. I like when he says, here am I, send somebody else. Um, I've done that quite a few times. I'm not the right person. God, get somebody else. Um, and, uh, and here, he, I, I, I wonder then how many times he, he walked past these bushes in the past. I wonder many times, how many years it took for God to get his attention. When God saw that he turned aside to see, God spoke to him out of the bush. And I was praying for this. I've had, you ever, I, I don't know, what, I, I, could be, I could start and yap this morning because I, my emotions are everywhere. I don't know what's going on with me over the weekend. Um, I couldn't watch news or anything. And I've just been praying and starting into Lent and things like that. And so I found it really emotional. And as I start to pray for you this morning, I start to think of the people who are sitting in this room this morning who maybe have never, ever discovered what's in your hand. That maybe you've never, ever, ever thought of turning around and laying hold of what God laid hold of you for. That you've never actually um, went after your natural ability or tried to acquire some additional skill, let alone say to God, God, could you use me if I were to put myself in that place? And to you, I think God would say this morning, what is in your hand? You see what happened? He cast it on the ground. And then God got him to pick it up again, and he reached out his hand, and he caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Now, here's a wee thing for you to um, note. You'll find that whenever, every time you read about that rod before, um, Rick, bless you. Rick's going to speak in Kara, so bless you as you go. Um, that every time you read about that rod, as he as he. You read about it as the rod of Moses until this occasion. And every time after, it's called the rod of God. Same rod, but something changed in its significance because he gave it to God, all right? Now, it wasn't, it wasn't just any old rod, all right? This was everything about Moses. This was 40 years of his life. This was his identity. He was a shepherd. This, 
This was who he was. He was, God was saying, I, Moses, I want your identity. I want you to give me who you are. It was his influence. It was the thing that he used to guide the sheep. It was the very thing that influenced everything he'd done. He couldn't work without this. He couldn't do the job he was supposed to do without this. It was his influence. And of course, it was his income. It was how he lived. It was how he made his living. What about it, folks, this season of Lent? What about that if God were to say, give me your identity? Give me your influence. Give me your income. Make me the priority. Give it all to me. And, and, and if God were to allow you to take that up again and serve him the rest of your life, that it would become the rod of God. Now, I realize there's a whole load of complexity around the giftings, and we don't want to make it confusing, confusing for you. We want it to be, make it really simple because, and to help you find what that is, to help you find what it is that you need to take hold of, to find what that is that is in your hand that God could use so mightily. Years ago, um, uh, we did a little course here, and we called it the shape course. And what we did in the shape course was basically teach you the five things to teach you how to find your spiritual gifts. And what if your spiritual gifts were based a little bit around your heart's desire? What is it you'd really like to do? You see, we have this silly thing in Northern Ireland, I think, that whenever we say, um, uh, what would you really like to do? You say, oh, it's not really what I want to do. It's what God wants me to do. And we have this sort of false humility. God's a father. I'm a father. I've got five kids, nine grandkids. I'm not going to force them to do what I want them to do. I want to hear their heart's desire. I want to hear what makes them tick. I want to hear what they're... And God's the same. He wants your heart's desire. It's based on your abilities, what you're able to do. There's some things you're able to do and some things you're not able to do. I did try to play a bass one time, but I have the widest hands and the shortest fingers in the world. And I couldn't get my hands around that thing, let alone push the wires. Is that what they're called? So you can see why I'm not a musician. Just don't have that ability, and that's okay. Um, and then your personality, what your personality lends to, that's really important. Um, uh, again, loads of things I could say about that. And then your experiences. What are the experiences of life? What are the... Um, Locational experiences, vocational experiences. Where have you been? What have you done? What about your education, educational experience? What about painful experiences? What about painful experiences that you can actually help and, and lead other people and help other people who are going through pain that you've endured and that you've maybe come through to some extent? All create an incredibly unique expression of who you become. You are unique. This is the thing that I want you to know. You are unique. And, and so what you need to know is that spiritual giftings, which we're going to unpack um, later as the weeks go on, are distinct to the natural and acquired gifts, all right? And our definition of spiritual gifts is this. A spiritual gift is a spiritual endowment or an ability given by God that enables us to serve others in the, God's power and love. That's really important. Um, for the purpose of building up the church to make an impact in the world. 
Now, gift is something that's given to you. It's a charisma. That's the word for gift. It's a gracelet, as it were. When I went to India, everywhere I went, the kids made these garlands of flowers, and they put them over your neck. That's what this word is. It's something that you're graced with. It's like somebody putting a garland upon you. God graces you with a gift. He places upon you the garland, the charisma of eternal life. The moment you get saved, he graces you with that garland of eternal life. It's beautiful, isn't it? And every believer has that gift, of course. Um, and so the, the spiritual gifts are a sheer act of God's grace alone, all right? And therefore, the more graceful we are in the movement of our gifts, the more effective they'll be. And we've all experienced in um, charismatic circles, gifts not shown with grace. And gifts not shown with grace are no gifts at all. They're a sham. Gifts that are shown without grace are a sham. They're no gifts at all. All right? Um, And always remember this. Always remember where God turns up, you'll always get the flesh. And now and again, you'll get the devil as well. Where gifts turn up, where God turns up, you'll always get the flesh. And now and again, you'll get the devil as well. So we've got to be really careful. That's why discernment of spirits is really important. And that's why it's important that we teach these proper and well. So spiritual gifts are given to you for the building of others. They aren't really for you. They're for serving the body, all right? And they need to be done in love and power. Someone has said the Holy Spirit in you is for you, and the Holy Spirit on you is for others. I love that little analogy. It's a bit like the cup running over. I often say what's in the cup's for you, what runs over, others get the benefit of. All right, and they need to be done in love and power. Just as the enemy is out to possess and to seek and to destroy, um, I read this this week. This guy, uh, Frank Viola, put it this way. I thought this was really powerful. He says, "Evil spirits desire to inhabit bodies because they crave expression. That's the whole point of possession." Um, They seek to take over a human body so that they can express themselves through it, employing it for wicked purposes on the earth. God, through the Holy Spirit, also craves expression. He he seeks to make his life visible through a many-membered being, the body of Christ. I love that. He he seeks to make his life visible through a many-membered being, the body of Christ exists to express God in the earth. Now, bringing it into land, um, practically, how all of these giftings that I've shown you, I hope they haven't bent your brain, but um, how, how do we discover? How do we find out? How do we lay hold of that of which God has laid hold of us? How do we find out these works that God has foreordained? How do we figure out if our, what's, what's, what's in our hand, what we can give God? How do we figure that out? And as we go through the next weeks, we'll be explaining um, the gifts, and we hope that your heart gets stirred and you get connected to certain ways you think the Holy Spirit may be gifting you um, in this season or what gift he maybe wants you to use. And I'd say two things, and this is really important. Firstly, Ask God to show you. That's the first thing you need to do. Ask God to show you. God, what is it? What is it you want to stir in me for this season? See, it might be different than the last season. It might be different. What is it you want to stir in me this season? And be open in your heart and in your mind for God to show you. Because he will. And then the second thing, ask others you love and trust. 
Ask people that you love and trust, what do you see in me at the minute? Is there, is there a shifting grace? Is there something that, you, that I used to be good at that I'm not good at anymore? Is there something that you find maybe developing in me that wasn't there before? And um, ask them to confirm or even um, share what's going on, what, what God has showed you, and ask them to confirm it. This is why life groups are so important. Um, and don't be, don't, please don't be telling making up stories just to make people feel good, all right? Please don't do that, all right? Let's speak the truth in love, okay? Um, and then um, ask, ask a number of questions. Here's some questions. Where am I most frustrated? This is a great question to ask. What is it sometimes where you are the most frustrated, where you get righteously angry? <laughs> that might be a source of your gifting. For some of you in here, it might be... Um, things to do with injustice. For some of you in here, I, I know it's um, adoption. For some of you in here, it might be abortion. For somebody in here, it might be the um, kids being sold into slavery around the world. These are things that just, you, you, you can't settle. You can't let it, you can't sit back and do nothing. So that's a great question. Where do I get... Where does, righteous, where does righteous anger rise in me to the point where I think I can't leave that alone? All right? Um, what keeps following me? All right, why does this kind of thing keep happening to me? Why, why every time I go into a room does someone ask me to lead? Or, or why whenever I'm around does people ask me to do practical things? Or... or, or Somebody that needs counseling or help. Why did why did why did they always phone me? Discerning a particular spirit, working on people, is a really important thing to do. So, what keeps following you around? That's a good question to ask. And then, where do I find joy? Again, it's a bit like um, uh, I love what John Thompson says in this. He talks about joining the dots. It's, it's important to, to, to start and join the dots of what's going on in your life. And as you look back over your life and you notice a particular similar thread of activities and traits that might help you to discover where God is gifting you. Where do you find joy? What are the things that you really like doing um, that other people might dread? Um, that's a good question. And here's another one. Um, where am I not gifted? Like, I'm not gifted to play the bass. Just didn't happen. I did try about 30 years ago, and I'm not trying again. Because <laughs> um, I have no desire. There's too many people that are so good at it. Um, and if, if it's really helpful and mature prayer to ask God to show you what you aren't gifted in as well as what you are gifted in. And when you know this, you find a sense of release, actually. Releasing um, where you aren't gifted is so freeing. When you begin to realize that um, they are so good at that. Like in our senior lead team, <clears throat> there's Al and Chris and Rick and Dave and I. And, and it was so freeing whenever Rick came along um, to work with Dave and I here. Because Rick is so good at some um, administrative things that Dave and I just aren't good at. And it was freeing to actually know that somebody else in the room was really good at that. And, um, and vice versa. So it allows you to rejoice in the fact that others are gifted in areas you aren't, and you steward what you've been given. And remember this, remember this, comparison is a thief of joy. 
Comparison is the thief of joy. It'll rob every joy you have. And often you find one strong dominant gift um, supplemented and shaped by some secondary gifts, and it's a kind of a gift mix, all right, which we'll find that out as we go along. Now, um, just as we um, fold her in, um, <clears throat> the, I, I, I found this Gallup um, as a consultant um, firm for business in America, and they did this survey. I was I was googling this last night uh, or yesterday, and um, it, it talks about how people can use their strengths and talents. Right, something that comes naturally that can be enhanced through practice, and and if they do this, they are six times more likely to be engaged in a job. And here's what they found. This is in the business world. This is in the business world. They found people that are, are built up in their strengths. Uh, they improve their health and wellness. It actually, they experience less worry and stress and anger and sadness. It boosts their positive emotions. They have more energy to face a day and they have higher engagement level and task. That's in the business world, all right? They also found that building employees' strengths is a far more effective approach uh, to improving performance than trying to improve a weakness or point out a weakness. Play to your strength. Play to your strength. Important to know what you're weak at, but play to your strength. And, and, and so this is what Peter is doing. When Peter writes at the end of it all, um, um, he, he says this. He says this. He says, uh, the end of all things is near. See that? The end is near, folks. We are living in the last days. And therefore, and I've taught you over the years, when you see a therefore, you have to look and see what it's there for. It's a hinge word. And so he's saying, the end is near. And because the end is near, be alert and sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. All right, as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. Um, if anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Every human being conceived carries with him or her that innate ability that is uniquely his or hers, every single one of you. And it's like our fingerprint. Not one of us has a same fingerprint, all right? Lots of people carry the same ability, but we use ours in a way that makes it unique. And these talents and gifts and strengths are like diamonds that we talked about at the start, and we need to dig for them. You need to dig for diamonds, all right? Nobody can dig them for us. We've got to dig them ourselves. And once we find them, we should dust them. We should keep polishing them. We should take care of them. And the more we recognize our own, the more we actually begin to recognize the diamonds in other people's lives as well. It's the most beautiful thing. This is why the gifting teaching is so important. Because soon our gifts and our talents, just like diamonds, will shine brightly in our life and shine brightly in the lives of others. Let's pray. Benjamin Franklin said this. He said, Hide not your talents. There for use were made. What's a sundial in the shade? 
I'd love you to think today our, our um, prayer ministry team are going to be front and back. And I would love you to think uh, as they take their positions, I'd love you to think about what's in your hand. We're finishing now, but I'd love them to be around to pray. I'd love you to think about what's in your hand. I'd love you to go to them today and say, hey, look, would, would you stand with me? Would you pray for me? Would you, would you ask God to show me what's in my hand? Maybe you're here today and you've, you've played the comparison game all your life. You've thought you weren't good enough and everybody else is better than you. And you've just put yourself down. And, and, and today you need to get rid of that. Guilt and shame are just tools of the enemy. They're filthy, rotten tools of the enemy just to put you down and to make you think that everybody else is better than you. And I would love, I'd love you to utilize our prayer ministry team today. Father, come by your Holy Spirit, I pray. Come in this moment. Stir us, God, to think about what's in our hand today. What is it we could use? What is it we could use to develop our own life? But more than that, to actually enhance the body of Christ and planet Earth at this moment. What is it that you want me at this moment in time to take hold of? I've never taken hold of the very thing that you were, took hold of me for. And today I want to turn around and I want to run into your arms and I want to take hold of that gift in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to put some music on, and our service is over. Please grab your kids. But um, ministry teams at the back, ministry teams at the front, I'd love you to avail of that. I'd love you to think about these things. Don't take it away home because the enemy just steals it. The Lord bless you. Enjoy your tea and coffee and please avail of our prayer ministry people. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.